You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. So welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. I'm excited to be here today um, just to expand on the vision of the podcast and really talk about what a real estate entrepreneur is. Because you hear a lot of times, oh, he's an entrepreneur or he's an angel investor or he's a real estate agent or he's a builder or he's a property manager. He's a realtor, a real estate broker. So I just want to expand on the vision behind the podcast because when I was really thinking through what I wanted to expand on, I felt like if I just said real estate agent, then I would be doing a disservice to where I'm headed, my vision, and what I see a lot of other real estate entrepreneurs doing. So it's tough to really put them in one box. Oh, he's a builder, but the guy owns 100, 200 rental properties, and he's also owns whatever, whatever, whatever. So I really came up with this concept one night. I was just sitting in my movie room and just thinking through what was kind of my niche and what was my focus. And even when I started trying to dive into talking about sales, I was like, okay, that's cool. But then I was like, but if I start talking about investments and investing in real estate or investing in land or investing in startups or investing in businesses, but then also I started thinking about entrepreneurship. And so that's why it's the real estate entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. And I just want to tell you guys, at times you're going to wonder where, where is the podcast going? The whole purpose of why I'm trying to bring in diversity of thought, right? So some people will come in and talk about investing in topics that you never even knew were available. Because as an entrepreneur, you're always looking for a new opportunity. You're always looking for the next thing that you can learn and put your energy into. And you never will be satisfied in a way where mentally is the key. You always want to be learning about something else. Because for me, like if I only said, oh, I'm just a real estate broker. Well, I've been selling real estate now. In the spring, it'll be 10 or 11 years. And if I only did that, I would be bored. You know, I've become the number one agent in our market off and on, you know, I think in 18 and 19. I'm usually in the top 1% of all agents. If you put my numbers in HAR, or if you put my numbers in Austin or Dallas or even College Station, I'm usually in the top 1% of Texas every year. And that would get boring for me. So just to say I'm a real estate agent doing sales, and I love selling real estate. I love selling luxury homes. I love selling ranches, but I'm much more than just a real estate broker. And so that's where the concept of real estate entrepreneur came from. And I want to read you the meaning of an entrepreneur. The meaning of an entrepreneur is a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses taking on greater than normal financial risk in order to do so. So the key word is business or businesses. So that means it can be plural. Most entrepreneurs have multiple businesses. And then you're taking on greater risk because you're the person either starting the business, you're the person with the vision, you're the person who has the idea. God speaks to me and only me because we all have different dreams in life. And that's why it's called your dream, your vision, because God gave it to you specifically. So I'm always blown away when someone's trying to like tell you what your dream should be or tell you what business you should be focused on or what idea you should be doing. You live your life. Let me live mine. And if it coincides, great. And if not, it's no hard feelings. Like I'm not going to try to tell you where you can dream, right? So I'm not going to tell you where to put your time because it's your time. And so the key thing it says is greater than normal financial risk. What people don't understand is when you decide to become an entrepreneur, a real estate entrepreneur, the people that I'm having on this podcast, the amazing, talented individuals that'll be coming on this podcast, 
have taken a lot of risk. And I guarantee you 99% of them started at the bottom and worked their way up. And it's so easy to sit back and say, oh, well, look at him. He did this. But you only see the successes. You don't see all the failures. What people don't understand, one of my one of my first businesses that I started at, me and Eric were like 23 and 24, it failed. I came out of the gate as an entrepreneur and I ran into a brick wall. And me being so passionate and feeling like I can fix it, I just kept going even though I was losing money. And it had been right after the fact that I had just got injured in the NFL. My dream was taken away from me. I, you know, obviously I got paralyzed. So I was so adamant on making this business, it was a retail business, making it successful and it wasn't. But the cool thing is, is most entrepreneurs, that's who you are. Like you're going to get up off the ground. Most entrepreneurs, the key reason why it says they take on greater than normal risk is because they're risk takers. They believe in themselves. They're going to bet on themselves every time because they know if the shit hits the fan, they're going to look in the mirror through faith, hard work, and whatever it takes and pick themselves up and figure it out. So that's why I felt like I really needed to talk about it like real estate entrepreneur, because, man, we're out here doing things that not a lot of people are willing to do. But I've always said, if you're not in the game, you don't get to ridicule and criticize. And it's like being at a football game and sitting in the stand saying, why did he drop the ball? If you've never played football and you don't know that that kid had a hamstring injury this week, he also had the flu and he's still out there playing. How can you criticize? Right. And so I always tell people when they ask me, well, what should I do? Get in the game. Start investing in real estate. Start your business. Get your real estate license. Stop talking and start doing. So really the vision behind that, the real estate entrepreneur, was that very thing. And so I always say, like, as a real estate entrepreneur, you got to understand more than just selling real estate. If you start growing your business, you got to understand P&Ls. You got to understand contracts. You got to understand marketing. You got to understand social media. You got to understand hiring, firing, and holding people accountable. You got to understand scalability. And the list goes on, which is why I love real estate and which is why I love being an entrepreneur because it never ends. And as a former pro athlete, it didn't matter if I ran a 4-3 today, I want to run a 4-2 tomorrow. That's just a part of the way I'm wired. And honestly, what I've learned now that I've gotten in this space I'm not the only one. There's so many of us who have that mindset. The biggest gap I see in most entrepreneurs is people who are an entrepreneur at heart. They just don't have enough faith to make the jump. And that's the biggest step is when you decide to take that risk. Because like it says here in the meaning, greater than normal risk that you're taking. I always tell people sweat equity versus check equity. In the beginning, you got to do it all. You got to be the person sweeping the floors. You got to be the person going out, putting the signs out. I used to go door knock in 105 degree heat in Texas. I used to put my own signs out. I put my own lock boxes out. I put my own listings on MLS. I took the photos. The list goes on of what it was I, I, I. But one of the things that I've learned from an amazing real estate mind, Gary Keller told me, is it starts off with I, then we, then they. So in the beginning, it's I. But as you grow through sweat equity or check equity, then it should be a we thing. That means I got staff helping me. And then the ultimate goal is to scale your business and leverage to where you have teams in place helping you carry out the vision. One of the biggest things I've seen people make in real estate sales and in just entrepreneurship is they want to jump right out of the gate and pay for everything. They don't want to do the sweat part. They just want to write a check. 
And if you got the money, great. I can tell you now, based on my retail business, I was just spending the money because I thought that's what was going to make it successful. Billboards. I had billboards. Literally, I can go down the list. But what I learned is that I needed the sweat equity. I needed to be willing to put the time in myself. And what I learned from that is when I hired somebody, I knew it a lot. I knew it a lot deeper than if I would have just been paying somebody else to do it the whole time and then hired someone. So really understanding that is key. And I always say, when you get into real estate, just find your niche, whatever that is. If it sells, great. If it's investing, great. If it's starting real estate specific startups, great. Find your niche. And then here's the key to becoming the real estate entrepreneur. The word that I've read in 2015 was called intentional congruency. People, you hear a lot about vertical integration, but intentional congruency. Look it up. I actually need to refer to the book. I don't have the book in front of me, but intentional congruency, that like that thought process like knocked my cap off. And what it means in gist is, is you get that one business, whatever it is. For me, it's TM5. That's the business that everybody knows. And then you grow other businesses around that business. It's, it, it's like called spider webbing, right? So obviously a spider web in the center has the main nucleus and then the webs come off of it. And you really look up and you have that one central business that is the hub that's creating the opportunities for the other businesses or the other opportunities. And so, for example, if you're a real estate agent and you're growing your business, well, at some point, the value that you're bringing to your clients, that five-star experience that they're getting when you just started your career, you're not going to be able to consistently uphold that same experience if you go from 10 deals your first year to 50 deals to 75 deals. At some point, there's a there's a ceiling that you hit. And then that's when you got to decide, okay, I have to bring on some team members. I have to bring on some other agents. So really what you're doing is growing an intentional congruent company because you went from an individual agent to now have a team. And so back to the example of TM5. So now we have an insurance company. We have a construction company. We have a property management company. And I can go down the list, right? But those spurred off of TM5. And that's called intentional congruency and really trying to figure out Another word you hear is ancillary income. So most brokers or most team leaders or even agents, what agents don't realize is you can be an independent contractor and still go and find a company and invest in that company. Like if I'm bringing a title business, a lot of business or a survey company or whatever, I can go to that company and say, hey, man, can I buy in and be a partner in this company? Now, it needs to be about more than money. What value are you bringing? What business are you bringing? But I'm just trying to like stretch y'all's thinking right now as we dive into some of these episodes that are going to come behind this show is literally it's endless. There's so many opportunities, right? And multiple income streams, like how do you create that? And that can go in many ways in real estate. So obviously, like I said earlier, you can start other companies that are intentionally congruent to your main company. You can invest in other companies that you're already bringing business to. So why not try to partner? But you can also invest in real estate and think about it. In real estate, you can do single family rentals, duplexes, fourplexes, triplexes, small apartment complexes, multifamily, commercial, commercial strip centers, industrial, land, land development, hotels. I mean, the list is endless on being able to create those multiple income streams. But like I always tell people, find your niche in each space. So don't jump off the bridge and try to invest in hotels multifamily, single family, and strip centers, self-storage, all in the same 
year. Like find what you're passionate about or what naturally you can learn and then grow your knowledge and then invest in that, build that portfolio up. Because I think a lot of times people see you doing multiple things and they just think it happened overnight. Like right now, you know, we're building these modern contemporary homes, Murphy Signature Homes, shameless plug, but they're real modern to contemporary. People don't understand. I've been cooking that idea for 10 years and I've been building actually for right at about 10 years, but I rolled out this new brand because there was a niche there. there. No one was building modern contemporary houses in the College Station area and I'm passionate about it. I actually feel like I'm pretty good at designing them. And we jumped off the bridge and started that company and it's actually doing really well. But I'm saying that to say it takes time as you create these intentional congruent companies, these multiple income streams, these ancillary businesses, these partnerships, startups. That's another opportunity. I've been really looking at that space. I'm looking at technology, real estate specific technology companies that I feel like I can invest in, try to be a member on their board and then give them feedback from from what we're seeing in the field. And then it can help my businesses. So one of the things that, you know, as an entrepreneur, whether you're any entrepreneur or specifically real estate, we don't have 401ks, right? So if you don't have a 401k, then what are you putting your money into? These are the topics. These are the things that I'm going to challenge you to think about. Like the ultimate goal is when you're done with this podcast or when you're just not even done, you're just listening to it and trying to grow from it is I'm going to stretch your thinking. Like if you just want to hear about how to sell a million dollar house, like I can do that all day, but that's like one episode and we're done. But my goal is to keep bringing you these thought processes and the way that my mind works to think outside the box and think, yes, I'm selling $10 million a year year or $50 million a year. I'm selling $100 million a year. That's great money. But if you're not investing it in a tangible asset that's passive income, then what do you have in 10 years? You don't have anything. Now, hopefully you put that money up and y'all have heard on my other episodes. And if you haven't, if you're just putting that money in a savings account, you're losing. Savers are losers. Robert Kiyosaki says it in his book, Who Took My Money? And in his Why the Rich Get Richer. If you're putting your money in a savings account, you're losing. And that's not what an entrepreneur does. A real estate entrepreneur takes that money and creates more out of it, putting it in the assets, in the businesses. And it's, it's fairly simple, right? So find your niche, create that company, and then you go after other things, right? You invest in tangible assets, you invest in other businesses, and you start more businesses that create more income streams. That's that's the playbook. And if you look at a lot of the guests that I'm bringing on, that's pretty much what they're doing. Now, the reason why it says real estate entrepreneur, because it's real estate specific, but it all has the same principles. And so the last couple of things I want to talk about is acquisition and mergers. That's another way to not be in that startup world. Um, There's a book I'm reading right now called The Acquisition Entrepreneur. And what he talks about is finding companies that are five years old doing a million dollars a year in revenue. Now, that didn't say net profit. That's just a million dollars a year in revenue. And I want to break that down on episodes coming after this one. Like, I want to spend a whole episode on how do you identify companies that are intentionally congruent, right? Because it's like, if I'm, it's great for me to invest in medical sales, but I'm not in medical sales. So I need to find companies that I have a general knowledge around that I can come in and bring value to them as a partner or as an investor, angel investor or whatever, and that they see value in me. And it's not just about the money. It's about that relationship and how can I help them, you know, move forward with the vision of the company. So acquisitions is a big deal. Mergers are a big deal. If you have an opportunity in a space that you're in to merge with a company and kind of 
you know, buy them and merge them into your team. The biggest thing I would encourage you to do on that, and we'll dive into that too, is culture. You got to make sure you understand their culture versus your culture. Because if the culture doesn't match, that merger is going to struggle. And then, like we talked about, if we don't have 401ks as entrepreneurs and real estate entrepreneurs, and then we build these businesses, there's two things really in my mind that I want to do with every company that I own. One, I want to be able to pass it down to my children and their children and give them careers and hire my own kids and lead them and coach them, or you package it up and sell it. It's that simple. And so that's the whole reason why you're taking, back to my meaning earlier, that's the whole reason why you're taking greater than normal financial risk is to package your business up and sell it or to pass it down to someone in your family, whether it's your kids, your nephews, your grandkids, whatever it may be. And and if you're not after those two things, then what are you after? Why are you taking this financial risk as a real estate entrepreneur? And so I want to acquire, merge, or package it up and put it in a place from a system standpoint to sell it. Or the last option is to promote staff and leaders in the business that, you know, you let them earn some equity or whatever. And then they run it for you one day and you say, I'm not selling it. I don't have kids to give it to, but I'm going to let my employees run it for me. And I'm just going to kind of go after something else or I guess take off into the sunset. So the ultimate goal with anything is leverage. It's the whole reason why you buy an investment property at a million dollar investment. You put down 200,000, 20% and the 800,000 you leverage from the bank or from investors. So OPM. That's the key to anything if you want to scale it is leverage. How do you leverage systems, procedures, talent, capital? And really, as I think through what the real estate entrepreneur is, it's kind of all these things rolled into one. And that's why you're not going to see us just only talking about multifamily syndication or only talking about how to grow a sales business or only talking about how to grow a brokerage. I'm going to talk about all of that, everything under the sun. And if there's questions or topics or things that you want me to cover, if there's guests that you want me to bring on the podcast, send it in. I mean, comment on there. Hey, that was a great topic you talked about, but would you be willing to expand on this? Because I need your feedback. I need your interaction. Because really, I'm just walking by faith with this podcast. If you really know me, I'm an introvert, literally. And because I play football and I was an NFL, people just think you want to be in the spotlight. Like, I'm not looking for that. I've been in the spotlight since I was in fifth grade. And so the whole reason I'm doing this podcast is I'm just walking by faith. I'm trying to be a vessel. I'm trying to encourage, motivate, and inspire others to get on this real estate entrepreneurship journey. No matter where you're at in this journey, no matter where you've been, no matter what it looks like, you can start today. And I'm telling you, one of our first businesses, it failed. Not a lot of people want to talk about that. They only want to talk about the successes. And those are the kind of things I want to dive into because I want you to know If that seed is in your heart to start a business, then what are you waiting on? Like, make no excuses. Go after it. Because we already know you're taking a great risk, greater than normal financial risk. I keep going back to that. That's just a part of the game. But also with great risk is what? Great reward. And that only can happen by you having the faith, doing your due diligence, and stepping off the ledge and going for it. It's not going to be perfect. It will be a grind, but it will be worth it. I promise you. So I just want to encourage you in that. I wanted to kind of cover that because I think as people see the title of the podcast and they see the guest and they're like, okay, we're going this way with investors. Okay, now we're going this way with salespeople. Now we're going this way with entrepreneurship. Yeah, we're going to go all ways. 
real estate entrepreneur. Yeah, we're going to talk about acquisitions and mergers. We're going to bring in some big guests who have done some amazing things, and they're not going to be able to be put in the one cup. So they're just a real estate entrepreneur at this point. And that's what my my goals and aspirations are to become, is I don't want to be seen as, oh, he's a great builder. Oh, he's a great realtor. No, he's just a real estate entrepreneur. So I appreciate your time. I want you to to be blessed. I want you to know that whatever you want to achieve in life, whatever it is, you can do it. Seriously. That sounds so cliche and it sounds like BS. But when I used to tell people when I was five years old that I was going to the NFL, people looked at me like I was crazy. And I'll tell you this quick story as we close. When I was 15 or 16, my high school went 0-10. That means we didn't win one game. Uh, Me and a guy named Jamie Lydia, we call him Debo. We were the only two sophomores on varsity. And we went 0-10. My junior year, we went 1-9. So going into my senior year, we were 1-19. And I'm walking around telling people, I'm going D1. I'm going to a major university. I am going to the NFL. And they're like, bro, we won one game. And we hadn't signed a D1 player from my high school at that time in probably like eight or nine years. So it was like a drought. But I'm saying that to say I didn't find one excuse. I was working two jobs. I was flipping burgers at Dairy Queen, sacking groceries at Albertsons. And there was a speed camp that came to East Texas. Crazy thing is my mom had just had a heart attack. I was staying at home by myself. And I ended up writing a letter to the speed camp to try to get a scholarship. I didn't have $250. I think it was 250 bucks and $500. I didn't even have that to get to the speed camp. But I wrote a letter in and they ended up telling me that, you know, they liked my story and they gave me a scholarship to that speed camp. That speed camp is what gave me the confidence going into my senior year to really kind of propel myself into believing I was a D1 player. Now, even with all that, I still didn't have any recruits coming my way. So I went to the Bulldog TV teacher at my high school. And I said, listen, I will sweep the floors. I will clean this room every day if you let me use your VCRs. And I went and made my own highlight tapes, literally, by myself, the old school dubbing, like five VCRs, stop, play, record. And I made these highlight tapes and I sent them out to D1 colleges. But before I did that, that junior year, I wrote in my English class, I wrote in my homework or whatever, that I was going to be a D1 football player and that I had planned on going to the NFL. My teacher, Miss Beck, if you're out there, I love you. She was an Aggie graduate, a young teacher. She kept me after class and said, Terrence, I got your research paper, whatever. It was a really good, really good paper. But do you mean this? I said, hell yeah, I mean it. And she was like, but you do know we're one in 19, right? I was like, yeah, I know. She said, but if you believe it in your heart, I'll help you. She said, start coming after school. I'll help you write these letters to colleges. But what are you going to send with it? I said, I'm glad you asked me. I'm already working on my own highlight tapes. So we wrote those letters to colleges along with these old school dubbed VCR tapes. And I you know, was working those jobs. I paid to put them in a FedEx envelope or whatever and ship them. And that's how people found me in East Texas. And then I knew when we play some of the best teams, I had the ball. And we ended up going four and six my senior year, didn't go to the playoffs. But by my senior year, I had 17 or 18 D1 offers. And I was the first D1 signee at my high school in like eight to nine years. And then after that, we started signing D1 guys again. So I'm only telling you that story because it's going to look like it is too hard. It's going to look like it's insurmountable. It's going to look like it can't happen. But that's the whole reason why you go after it. That's the whole reason why you go on that journey. 
is to pursue that dream. And without coming to Texas A&M and playing football here, I wouldn't be sitting in front of you. That opportunity changed my life. And so I just want to encourage you. There's a reason why that business idea, there's a reason why God is asking you to get your license. There's a reason why whatever it is in your heart that you feel, but you feel the fear and you feel the idea at the same time. And you got to decide which one you're going to feed. Like they always say, you know, the wolf mentality, which wolf are you going to feed? But I decided to feed the wolf in the vision of going D1. And then I turned around and I had 17 D1 offers. So yes, was I talented? Hell yeah. That's why I came in as a true freshman and, and started and played. But I'm saying that that opportunity never would have happened had I not took the faith to write those letters, sweep those floors, make those VCR tapes and send them out. And so I just want to encourage you, whatever that idea is that you're sitting on, go for it. I, want, I wish you well. God bless. Look forward to the next episode on the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Thank you for your time. See you soon. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com. 